This is episode 101. How do I take action when I have anxiety and fear with Suzanne? Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Thank you again for listening. As you know, we hit our 100th coaching episode last week, which is so exciting. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you to all of those who rate the show and leave reviews. That's amazing. Also, thanks to you for subscribing. You know, it actually helps the show when you go to iTunes and you hit the subscribe button so you get the automatic downloads. If you download each episode individually, it's great, but if you hit subscribe, it really helps the show grow. So if you haven't done that, please do. If you haven't left a rating and review, I'd so appreciate it if you did. It just just helps the show so we can make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more. When I began this podcast a year and a half ago, I had no idea if it would be successful or anyone would like it. I felt like people would benefit from hearing other people be coached on air, but I had no guarantees. I had so many questions when I began. Would anyone sign up to be coached? Would people be willing to have such vulnerable information shared publicly? Could I help people in just like 20, 25 minutes? How the heck do I figure out how to put this together logistically? What technology will I use? That really held me back. What should the structure of the show be? How much will it cost? All of these questions delayed me for about eight months. I had the idea and the desire, but my uncertainty kept slowing me down. Finally, I took my own coaching advice and took one small step at a time until eventually our first episode, Overcoming Self-Doubt and Fear with Annika, was released. What an appropriate title, right? I had to get over my own doubt and fear to bring this podcast to life, and I'm so glad I did because I love, love, love doing it. I love connecting with you all. I love the people that call in. I love it when you send me Instagram messages or post on the show notes and tell me what you're learning. Please keep that up. This is such an incredible community. I just honor all of you for being committed to growth and to just the up-leveling and to really be open to the vulnerability that's shared on this podcast. And thanks to you, the show has grown steadily. It's even been picked up by Podcast One. None of this would be possible without you. So again, thank you for being part of my tribe. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the show with others. Thank you to those of you who've been coached on air for showing up with so much courage. And today, I really encourage you to stop allowing fear doubt or just not having all the answers prevent you or even delay you from taking action. If you have an idea or a creation you long to bring to life, go for it. Here's the thing to keep in mind that may give you some peace of mind. You do not have to know all the steps to the finish line to get started. If you're working to get from A to Z, you do not need to know what step D or M or S is. Just take step A and then determine what step B is. Moving one step at a time generates momentum, and the more momentum you have, the more likely you are to reach your goal, or at least enjoy yourself in the process. My coaching call with Suzanne is very on point to everything I'm talking about related to overcoming fear and anxiety. It also struck a very personal chord with me. Her question is about how to take action when that fear and anxiety are present. What we get into is discussing a pattern of catastrophic or worst-case scenario thinking. 
Anyone out there relate to that? I certainly do. Growing up, I was called a worrywart, a nickname I definitely fit the bill for. Just to give you an example, when my parents would go out for date night, I'd be so worried they were going to get in a car accident and die that they'd have to call home every hour just to reassure me that they were still alive and ease my anxiety. And this was before the days of cell phones, so it wasn't easy. It's a pattern. This catastrophic thinking worry pattern is something I've had to be aware of and work on shifting even to this day. I still practice reminding myself that the universe is for me and that worry is a very poor use of my imagination. And that's essentially what worry is. It's using our mind to come up with and visualize worst case scenarios instead of using the power of our mind to visualize what we truly want to occur. So if you can relate to feeling like fear and anxiety stops you, or if you're a bit of a worry wart or go to catastrophic worst case scenario thinking, then I think you'll receive a lot of value from this coaching session. As you're listening, consider, do you worry a lot? Can you see that you have a tendency to imagine worst case scenarios or have a habit of waiting for the other shoe to drop? Do you think that preparing for the worst actually protects you from being disappointed? Did something challenging or even traumatic or catastrophic happen to you as a kid so much so that you continue to live with nervous anticipation that something bad will happen again? And finally, how are you soothing yourself? When you go into anxiety, fear, even panic, are you able to calm yourself down? Or do you reach to coping mechanisms like watching TV or eating or drinking or overworking or somehow distracting yourself? And before we go on to the episode, I mentioned earlier that Over It and On With It is now part of the Podcast One family. So I wanted to tell you about some cool other shows that you can check out. And I really encourage you to download the Podcast One app because you can find out everything about your favorite shows. You can get more content for this show. You can find articles, social media, episodes, and even make playlists. It's easy to comment and connect with other show fans. So it's cool. We can have our own little tribe there. And you can watch videos, watch a bunch of shows in virtual reality. There's over a thousand videos on there right now. It's kind of like you're in the Podcast One studios. A couple shows you may want to check out are my recent interview with Brandy Glanville on her show Unfiltered. It's a really, really great authentic conversation. I also love the show Mentoring Moments where women from multiple generations share their wow, you need to know this story that propelled their careers. Women you may never have met become your mentors. A Forbes contributor, author, and entrepreneur invites you into her New York City apartment to tap into her conversations with successful women who are sharing vulnerable and really valuable moments. From high points to when good ideas go bad to moments of sudden insight where you just know you have to risk it all. On Mentoring Moments, there's advice for everyone, including the men. So check those out. Come join our community on Podcast One and enjoy my coaching session with Suzanne. Suzanne, welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi. So my question is, how do I continue to take action in my life when I feel crippled by anxiety? How do I continue to go on dates when I don't feel hope? How do I continue to get the negative voice out of my head when I know I need a positive one in order to get what I want? How do I keep going to auditions even though I haven't booked work in forever? I guess my main question is how do I ignore the negative voice and keep forging ahead and taking massive action? Okay, tell me about the anxiety. Most of it is just based on fear and I'm capable of taking massive action when I'm determined, but the anxiety is, is based on fear, I think, and fear of failing or in some cases fear of success and fear of not being able to live up to what I want. 
I'm so conditioned to think negatively since I was a little girl. I was always very anxious. So I tend to be, mm-hmm. I guess, it's considered like catastrophic thinking. So I always think worst mm-hmm. case scenario, right? I get an abnormal blood mm-hmm. test. I think I'm dying. I <laughs> don't do well at an audition. I think I'm banned forever from the casting office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tutor privately and I have my own tutoring agency. So if a parent doesn't write me back immediately, I think, oh, they didn't like what I said kind of thing. And I know some of that's normal and we all struggle with it. And I've become much better over the years at um, depersonalizing things. But there's that voice in my head that's preventing me from really taking the extra step and going on those extra dates or those singles events or taking mass. It's hard. I I guess. I get it. Let me, let me pause you for just a moment. Yeah. Cause I completely relate to what you're saying. Right. And when you said the catastrophic thinking, that was something that was definitely a pattern that I dealt with a lot. I got a splinter. I thought my finger was going to fall off (laughs) that, that type of thing. Right. And because of that, anything that felt risky was scary. Right. And I thought that the catastrophic thinking was protecting me. I thought it was keeping me safe. I thought that by, you know, if I have a headache, go get every single test I possibly can just to rule out a brain tumor was supporting me. But all that was doing was creating more anxiety and more worry. So I'll tell you what's really worked for me and we can see if it could work for you. What I really discovered is it was, it was learning how to be with that part of me that just felt scared and anxious. And a lot of times that's like a little part, you know, if you think about the little kid that lives inside of us, sure, of course. it's that part, it's that part that's feeling scared. And when we get scared, we have to, as adults, learn how to respond to it in a way that is more nurturing, that is more reassuring. So it sounds like what's happening, you know, and, and I'm projecting a little bit of my own experience onto you. So if it's not resonating with you, just let me know. But for me, what would happen is a worry would come in and instead of having my adult self be able to calm myself down, reassure myself, or lean back into any kind of faith, I I misunderstood that the way to deal with it was to have the worry or to have the anxiety or have kind of that frenetic action. Because I bet you can take action, but I bet it's more frenetic action, right? Of yes. trying to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is that right? Yeah. Sometimes it is. It so, depends on the situation. Yeah. Right. I Yeah. I understand. It's not the same in every situation. But is what I'm saying so far making sense? hundred percent. Okay. So this really comes down to finding a new way to relate to yourself, finding a new way to self-soothe. Because well, the other thing that I learned is that kind of catastrophic thinking and worry and anxiety and even negative thinking and critical thinking really threw my nervous system off. Right. So I was putting myself in fight or flight way more often than I needed to be. You know, there were no, there were no tigers chasing me, but my nervous system was in a response rate. My amygdala was firing off. You know, the, the amygdala is a part of our brain that is that fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, mm-hmm. so, not only was this a pattern, but then because I kept perpetuating the pattern, my brain chemistry wasn't helping. Oh, yeah. So it almost felt uncontrollable. Yeah, it makes sense. The anxiety felt uncontrollable. The worry felt uncontrollable because the brain was in that fear mode. So I share all this with you, one, to say I understand right. <laughs> more than just, you know, I understand as a coach, like I understand as a human being. Two, so you don't feel so alone. 
three, so that you understand that, that some of this is, you know, your brain chemistry and your nervous system. So it's biological as well. Like it's been created by the pattern, but we've got to talk about how to shift your nervous system and your biology a little bit. The fourth is to, to really give you hope and reassurance that you can shift it. Sure. That's awesome. So let's start with how you are with yourself. (laughs) Um, what was, what was life like as a little girl for you? I had a pretty, you know, many ways a joyous childhood. I was very close with my family. I had wonderful parents. I was very close with them. And I do, even today as an adult, suffer from separation anxiety. So I don't deal with losses well. Like a breakup is extraordinarily devastating to me. When I miss certain friends or family, it makes me very sad. I still carry that around with me. I was a chubby kid. I developed very early. I had very frizzy hair, but it was very traumatizing as a kid um, to be teased constantly because of it and to not understand that it was coming from jealousy and it was coming from a culture um, where if you weren't like, I mean, I hate to say it, if you weren't like the skinny blonde, like ever since I was a little kid, it's like the skinny blonde girl was considered the beautiful kid. And it was very hard for me to, um, to deal with that. I had tremendous amount of self-hate about my looks when I was younger. And a lot of that has gotten better, but I did have an eating disorder when I was in college. And now I absolutely love my hair and I think it's beautiful. And I love all curly hair and ethnic hair and like all of it I think is stunning and needs to be celebrated. But it was growing up, it was very hard. Right. So would it be fair to say that outside of your home, you didn't feel very safe? Yes. Yes. I felt safe physically, but emotionally, I didn't feel safe. Right. Well, and, and that's where most of us, you know, do suffer is, is feeling emotionally not safe, you know, feeling bullied, feeling teased, feeling left out, whatever. So you kind of had this dichotomy of feeling really safe at home and then not safe when you were kind of out on your own in the world. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. So sometimes what can happen is it's hard to develop a sense of self when we're living in those two extremes. Right. Because we start to identify, okay, safety is home, family, like, but when I go out in the world, like that's not safe. And so my external conditions dictate how I feel inside. Yeah. And Therefore, like finding that relationship with ourselves, so that in any situation we can have some consistency is pretty hard because you were bouncing between loving, connected home to feeling not emotionally safe when you were out in school. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So why do you think that could contribute to, because let me just reflect back to you what you said. Right. You said, how do I continue to take action, but I'm compelled by anxiety? How do I go on dates when I don't feel whole? How do I feel positive or how do I feel positive when all I think is negative? Right. Do yeah. you see how even your opening question was mm-hmm. the polarity? It was a dichotomy, right? Exactly. Or, yeah, that's interesting. Exactly. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So how would you today describe your relationship with yourself? 
How do you balance between all these things? <laughs> it's gotten better. Uh, I do a lot of, you know, I have a wonderful therapist and I do a lot of work on myself and I, I try to surround myself with uh, people who are mentally stable, the kind of people that I want to be around because I noticed that I've had friendships more. I've never been in an abusive uh, um, intimate relationship with a man, thank God, but I have been in relationships with close friends who borderlined on emotional abuse. And so I've had to learn over the years when to put myself first and say, this isn't healthy for me. I'm not speaking to you right now. Um, and that right. was a big thing because it, it was never something I understood. It was more insidious. And I would start thinking, why am I, why do I feel so bad when I mean this person? Why do I feel invisible because they spent two hours talking about themselves. And as we get older, we realize it's, it sucked me emotionally. But let's talk, cause I asked you about your relationship with yourself and right. all you've told me is about other people. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So I've learned to put myself, my emotional health first. So if something's not emotionally healthy for me, I'm much better at recognizing it quicker. And I still have, like, I think a lot of self-hate that, you know, that voice saying you're too chubby and you're not pretty enough and you need to lose weight in your arms and your voice isn't good enough for this audition. And that's, or you're not lovable enough to be in a loving relationship, even though I grew up surrounded by it. So there's a lot of basically dichotomy. There's me fighting against it, but it's still kind of there. Uh-huh in the background, right. preventing me, I think, from really achieving my goals and my dreams. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like there's a fierce inner critic. Oh, yeah. um, I'm also curious, is there a voice, like, do you know how to self-soothe? Do you know how to be compassionate with yourself? Like when something, like when something quote unquote bad happens, what do you do? Do you call someone? Do you reach out to a therapist? Do you, Both. like, what's your... I call my closest friends or family uh, or I reach out to my therapist, but I do have a hard time self-soothing. Right. So notice how that initial response is going outside of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. This is something I've worked on in therapy. Totally. Okay. And and where are you now in terms of working on it? Have you been able to practice it more? Yeah. And I recognize, and I didn't realize it till I was older. I mean, I always knew it when I was younger. My mom always used to say, you don't need us to reassure you. I seek reassurance from outside. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've only kind of recently realized just how detrimental it is because then I don't ever feel it's, it's an arrested development to be an adult in mm -hmm. a way and to not be able to say, you can do this, Suzanne. And so that's kind of something I've started doing. You can do this. You Great. can sign up for this app. You can go on these dates, even if they're terrible. You can handle this. You're an adult. You pay your rent. You live in New York City. You've been through worse. So I kind of have to do the CBT thing, which is hard for me because the anxieties are so, so deep. But that's right. really so, the point that you brought that up because it's something I'm really actively working on. Yeah. So for people listening, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's really about taking different action, which is great. And what I think is so key for you, and again, this is coming from personal experience, yeah, yeah. is is not just the pep talk, not just the taking the action, but when that worry comes up or when that criticism comes up, going like, I hear you. I hear you're scared. I hear you're critical. 
I hear you're doubting yourself right now. That's okay. I'm here and it's okay. You're safe and I'm here and I'm with you and I love you. It's not just the positive thinking. It's not just the taking action. It's actually able to create a feeling inside of yourself of compassion because when we have that place of compassion, that immediately starts to create safety. Like imagine when, you know, you're upset or something and you're with a friend and they're just so compassionate. They're so with you. They're not feeling sorry for you. They're not trying to solve your problems. They're not trying to coach you out of it. They're just holding space for you when you're crying or sharing or whatever. Right. Yeah. And we feel safe when people do that for us because they're just holding this beautiful space so that the emotion can come up and out. That's why often after we talk to a therapist or a friend, we feel better because if if they've held that unconditional space of compassion, because it was just like we got to have a release. Sure. And part of self-soothing and learning that compassion for ourselves is to be able to create that space with ourselves. You know, and that's something that I've really had to watch because Again, these patterns form these neural nets in our brain. So that fear pattern, that anxiety pattern, that we'll just use a catastrophic thinking pattern. That pattern has formed like a neural net in your brain. So it just naturally jumps to that. And so how to form a new neural net is to, when, when you feel yourself jumping to that thought, kind of going, whoa, okay, I'm okay. It's okay. This is just fear. This is just nervousness. This isn't real. I'm going to suit. I'm going to calm myself down. Yeah. You know, like I would, I would like just rub the inside of my arm. Sometimes I grab a stuffed animal, like anything I could do to keep myself from going into that. I think it's the parasympathetic nervous system. We'll have to look it up, but the fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a spiral. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's adding the feeling. You've got to kind of add the feeling of compassion and the feeling of safety and really not make the critical part, not make the catastrophic thinking part, not make the anxiety part your enemy, but really learn how to be with it. Okay. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of unpack. Well, do you have any questions so far? I'm trying to think. It's hard. I guess it's hard for me to do it. Like it all makes sense intellectually, but it's hard. Like when you're, when I'm super nervous about an audition and I think I'm not going to do well, they're not going to like me. I can't do this. It's so hard to shut it off because of the nerve. It's like okay. real physical work. Um, I understand. So yeah, let's try this. So with that, there's something in expectation hangover I, that I call release writing. And it's adapted from something I learned at the University of Santa Monica called freeform writing, which is basically just taking your thoughts and scribbling. Like it's not journaling because you can't read it. You're writing as fast as you're thinking. And then when you're done with it, you rip it up or burn it. Oh, and it's a great way to deal with nervousness and anxiety. Another thing that's really great to deal with nervousness and anxiety is kundalini shaking, like just like shaking your whole body and getting that nervous energy out, like expressing it in some way or dancing like that's, Mm -hmm. but, but the shaking really, really helps. So do whatever you need to do to kind of get that nervous energy out. And what's so beautiful about nervous energy is that once we kind of get the anxiety out, which is just the fear-based thinking it's quite possible to get it to excitement. 
because oh, nervousness yeah. and excitement are pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Excited and scared are the same thing, right? Y- well, y- yeah. A little. <laughs> excited is just, you know, scared is just excited with judgment sure, in your sure. case. Yeah. You know, scared to, you know, cliff dive, that's that's pure like adrenaline scared, but you know, you're not gonna die in an audition. It's it's more like you want this so badly. So it's it's the nervousness is because there's a big attachment to it. But if you could be excited, more like, oh my gosh, this could be it. I love this. How lucky am I that I live in New York and I get to go auditions? How lucky am I that I am someone that's pursuing my dreams? How lucky am I that I get to go in and read the script? Even if I don't get hired, I get to act for five minutes or one minute. How lucky am I? Sure. That's true. That's true. Because they're going to be able to feel your nervousness. I know. But if they feel your excitement, yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to be some Zen master. Transform it to excitement. Get the, use the, use the release writing, use the shaking, whatever you need to do. And if you take the judgment out and take the attachment out, you can shift something like that to excitement pretty easily. I love that. That's super helpful. I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try well, that this is, Yeah. Yeah. And, and same thing with dating, you know? Um, yeah. we're all whole and complete, but none of us are done. We're yeah. all working on ourselves. Right. We're all working on ourselves. And I think, again, it's that trigger you have to be in a little externally referenced that make dating scary. It is. And judging myself during a date and judging this guy gonna be the right guy for me. I have to get married. I have to have kids. My time is running out. All of that pressure and anxiety instead of living in the moment, which we all know the more pressure we put on ourselves when dating, the worse anyone who dates can tell you the worse it is. And that's also something I've got. Once I'm aware of things, I begin to improve, but it's like getting very deep into that root of anxiety and fleshing it out. Like you said, it's like changing that thinking. Right. And, And you don't have to let it carry you away so much. You know, it just thinks it's protecting you. So the more you find other ways to make yourself feel safe and make yourself feel calm, the less you'll need the anxiety. That's true. That's really the true. other thing that I am noticing in you, and again, <laughs> it's kind of like you spot it, you got it, because this is how, this is, was, was a big thing for me too and something right. I'm still working through, is, I, is trusting your mind more than mm. like your body. And more than your hmm. inner knowing and your inner wisdom. Your mind runs the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's so much wisdom in your body. You know, one of the things that I started doing in dating, instead of going, you see this, you see that, is blah, 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 like uh, I would just pay attention to how I feel. How does my body feel with this person? Am I breathing? And I don't mean like, am I physically attractive, but like, or is he physically, am I physically attracted to him? I mean more like, how am I feeling? Am I in my body? Am I breathing? Am I connecting? That's interesting. Am I using this opportunity to like get to know another human being? Am I in my heart? That's awesome. It's a very interesting way of putting it and helping or thinking about dating. Yeah, because it's like feel your way through dating versus thinking so much about it. Because when it comes to love, we can't control that. You're not going to attract... 
the partner of your dreams by thinking about it and, and judging yourself and him. That's the biggest thing is the judgment. I judge myself so much and it just comes off. Sure. It leaks on other people. Right. So again, the judgment is another thing that you think protects you because you were so judged as a kid, you started being fiercer to yourself than anyone else could be. Cause you think that that would give you, you know, when, when we are so criticized, we become so self-critical because we think that we need to be. Right. We have this image that the beautiful woman looks a certain way. The beautiful man looks it's like, it's such, you know, it's so ridiculous and not true, but you know, as women, we have this idea of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have the kids by a certain age. You're supposed to look a certain way. And it's, it's so, I think, dangerous. But yet I fall into that, that trap, if that makes sense. So be part of the change instead of complaining about it. Yeah. Because we, we don't have to buy into that as women. No, 100, oh, 100%. And the only way we change it is not by complaining about it, but by, like Gandhi says, being the change that we want to see by not buying into it, by not even entertaining that conversation, by letting that whole thing go. Because it's not 100% true. No, it's not true at all. Yeah. I, um, I recently started about a year ago my own tutoring agency, and I've tutored for about 15 years, but it took me years to have the courage to start it myself. And even mm-hmm. more years, even once I started it to start interviewing tutors, I got the LLC, but then it took me a while to get traction. And it was an interesting learning process because it made me realize how much fear I have of being successful and how much fear mm-hmm. I have of actually being independent. And so it's become like a big, a big confidence booster for me to kind of, you know, that expression, girl boss or lady boss, I like to say lady boss, but like it's, it's been good for me. And I actually feel like in the past year or so, I've become, my acting ability has taken massive strides. Beautiful. Beautiful. So you, I just want to point out to you that you created this, you manifested this. So I think that what would be helpful is to look at yourself through a lens of more truth of instead of looking at yourself with this critical lens, really look at your life, look at everything that you've accomplished, look at who you are and start owning that. And not just because you've been able to create something external, but really owning who you are. Right. It's time to update. It's like Suzanne 2.0. <laughs> it's time to update. <laughs> I love, I love that. You, know, you need an update. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need a new operating system. Seriously. In terms of your belief systems, in terms of how you respond to yourself, in terms of your self-talk. So that would be a good exercise for you to kind of write out like Suzanne 2.0, my new operating system. This is what I believe. This is what I feel. This is what I know to be true about me. These are my gifts. This is what I love about me. This is what I love about my body. Yeah. Like imagine if you had that kind of operating system, right? I know. And it seems so simple, right? Um, but it's The concept trying. is simple. The application is not complex, but it requires consistency. Right. To change the pattern. You know, my coach always says to me, you know the information, now follow through. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly my issue. The anxiety yeah. will feel comfortable. Yep. 
The fear will feel comfortable. The self-judgment will feel like a nice, comfy recliner. Mm -hmm. But it's all holy and got mold in it. Like time for a new one. Oh, I like that. It's not that comfortable. Yeah, it's like a dangerous comfort. Right. You kind of got to get disgusted with your comfort zone. But move out of it with compassion because it served you. Too many people try to change by hating the parts of them they want to change. doesn't work. You love the part, you have compassion, you work with it, you see what it needs and then moves out of it. I didn't, I didn't work on my catastrophic thinking by hating it and just trying to stop it. It's like holding a beach ball underwater. It's really hard. I did it by when the catastrophic thinking would come up, responding to it like a really loving parent. Like, I know you're worried. I know you're scared. What are you scared of? Let's talk it out. Let's do the worst case scenario. What would we do? Okay, we can handle that. All right, it's okay. Right. Because that stops the pattern. So instead of like letting the catastrophic thinking or the worry run away with you, you stop it, you dialogue with it, you shift into compassion. So this is the kind of follow through that I recommend. Okay, I love it. I have it all written down. I'm going to print well, it out. Well, the good thing is this is going to be on the show, Yay! so you can listen anytime you want. <laughs> I can listen to myself. Oh, yeah. God, no. That was so helpful. And your voice is wonderful. Oh, thank you. Do you want me to sing? I can sing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sing us a little yeah. ditty. That's beautiful. Thank I you. love it. I love it. <laughs> I cannot sing, so I'll leave oh, that please, to you. <laughs> please, so many people like who can't sing are wildly successful, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm sure you can sing better than you can. See, sing. well, that I'm. It's interesting that you said that, mm-hmm. Suzanne, because it's not necessarily their their talent that got them to be successful. It was their beliefs. That is a hundred percent what I've learned over the years. It is really, it is a mind over matter thing in most businesses. Yep. Yep. So shift your beliefs, but don't live too much in your mind. Feel from your heart, listen to your inner wisdom and you got this. Just be gentle with yourself along the way. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for bringing this topic forward. I know that a lot of our listeners will really relate to what you shared So what we got into in this call was a pattern of catastrophic thinking or worry or anxiety or worst case scenario thinking, how on some level we think it's protecting us or keeping us safe, but all it's doing is creating more anxiety. When we feel any kind of fear come up, it's important that we first just be with that part of us that feels so scared and anxious. When we get scared as adults, we need to learn how to respond to it in a way that feels more reassuring. A big part of this is around self-soothing. Most of the ways we attempt to soothe ourselves really isn't about soothing at all. It's more about numbing or distracting ourselves. We run away from the fear by working or eating or sedating ourselves with drugs or alcohol or getting on the computer or social media for hours. But the more we ignore it, the bigger that monster in our closet gets. So instead of running from your fear, just face it head on. And that doesn't mean you have to conquer it. Just be with it. What does it need from you? If the fear had a message for you, what's the message? Can you trust yourself enough to sit with it rather than run? Tell yourself you're okay. You are safe. That everything is okay. 
Be that reassuring voice to yourself that you long to hear. Now, it's much different from a pep talk. A lot of times people try to get to the other side of fear by just positive affirmations and I can do it and I can beat this and I don't need to be scared. But you're dismissing the feeling. You're telling yourself how you need to be different rather than just being with what's present, accepting it, getting the message from it, and then being able to respond to it in a different way. And that will transform it. Okay. So now to address a few of the specifics from Suzanne's session. So first she felt safe at home and not so safe out in the world, particularly at school where she was teased a lot. So she had this kind of dichotomy of experience where at home she felt safe and loved, but then she'd go to school and things didn't feel safe anymore. So she attributed her sense of safety to being home and that safety felt threatened when she was out in the world, just kind of on her own. So her sense of self and her ability to feel safe regardless of external conditions was something that wasn't really developed. So a big part of her development now, her opportunity now, is to really create that feeling of safety inside herself and be able to respond differently to those fear-based thoughts. Because what that pattern of feeling safe in one place and not safe in the other did, it perpetuated an externally referenced world. So another big part of her growth opportunity is to become more internally referenced. She also said something that is so common. I hear it so much. I say it myself, which is I get it intellectually, but oh, is it hard to shift in the moment? So a concept can be so simple. We can really get it, but it's the follow through that matters. That's one of the many reasons I created Inner Circle, my membership community, where we really focus on a certain quality every month. And we focus on moving something from awareness into integration so that change actually happens. And so you're not just learning concepts, but you're actually integrating what you're learning. So that invitation is always open to you to come join me at christinehasler.com slash inner circle so that you can not only get things intellectually, but you can also start to get them experientially. Also, Suzanne and I talked about the difference between nervousness and excitement. There's a fine line between nervousness and excitement. And oftentimes it's a matter of shifting that nervous energy to excitement. And also please stop perpetuating belief systems you don't agree with by complaining about them. I called Suzanne out a little bit on this about her beliefs about what society projects on women. So for example, if you think society's definition of what it is to be beautiful is completely effed up, instead of getting mad about it, be the change you want to see. Instead of allowing society to define it for you, define it for yourself. Okay, so some takeaways for you. First of all, find a way to self-soothe. I'm going to put a link up to a blog I did oh, a few months ago about my favorite tips to calm yourself down and deal with anxiety. So that blog will be in the show notes. So check that link out and also just find ways that work for you. Maybe it's cuddling up with a stuffed animal. Maybe it's humming. Actually humming to yourself is very self-soothing. Maybe just taking a breath, talking to yourself. You know, what's so great is that in this day and age of cell phones, you could just pretend you're on your cell phone and talk to yourself if that calms you down. Second, your sense of self. Make sure it's not externally referenced. Look, really be an observer of your life and look at where you're projecting a feeling of safety. Do you feel like 
You need to get that from an outside source, or can you really start cultivating that inside of you? And the more we feel safe inside ourselves, no matter if we have certainty or not, you know, that it's easy to feel safe when we've got a plan and everything's going to plan and we feel certain about things. It's harder to feel a feeling of safety when things are uncertain, when we're in a time of unknowing, when we're in the in-between, that's when fear tends to come up. But if you can really lean into that feeling of safety inside yourself and also open up to the safety and security that comes from being connected to a higher power, to the universe, then that sense of self becomes more internally referenced. You feel basically safer inside yourself. Next, imagine your best case scenarios. Instead of using your imagination to imagine things you don't want, why not think about all the things you do want? If you have a copy of Expectation Hangover, the the exercise in there called Future Forecasting is a great way to start visioning your best case scenarios. And if you don't have a copy of Expectation Hangover, grab one. It's on Amazon, paperback, 10 bucks. Finally, get excited about things. Instead of getting so nervous and so fear-based and so wrought with anxiety, just allow yourself to feel excited about it, just like little kids do. Little kids don't get nervous when they are up in front of a group, if they have something that they want to share or a song they want to sing or a dance they want to perform because they're just so excited. We only get nervous when the self-judgment and the voice of the inner critic gets too loud and it just dims our excitement. But I promise you, underneath that nervousness is excitement. Find your way there. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again to Suzanne. Thank you to all of you for listening. And remember all 100 coaching episodes are up on iTunes. So you can go and binge. And as always, please share this with a friend that you think could benefit. Much love and many blessings until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.